All right, we're going to get started with our conversation for the evening. And uh, if you want to get up, get, go get more food, get a drink, uh, take care of dishes, whatever, feel free to do that. But uh, what we want to be able to do now is uh, really to, to give Jake an opportunity to share some of uh, his history and um, some of the things that he has learned along the way and uh, be able to share uh, some of the things that we might overlook in uh, our church that uh, coming from the outside will be appreciated. So, um, Jake, you can take a seat if you like. Thanks. We're just going to sit here, and uh, you can you can turn and face uh, face this direction if you would like to do that. Um, but uh, Jake, if you would like, you can just begin with. Telling us a little bit about your your background, your his, your history, um, you know what led you know the, the, well, you can tell your story, all right? Okay. All right, let's go. <laughs> all right then. So um, I wasn't raised in church. That's just not a. It wasn't familiar uh, for me at all. I was baptized at I think it's called St. Luke's or St. John's, one of two, um, somewhere in Haltom City, Texas, uh, at like eight days old, uh, and that may have been the only time I went to church between eight days old and 17, uh, so we just weren't raised in church. Uh, our Saturdays and Sundays were football and wrestling. That's kind of how it worked at home, uh, just a totally different ball game there uh, for us, but at 17, I uh, got invited to go to church, um, and like many of you, you know, things, things happen in life, and at that time, there had been several things that had happened uh, to me, and uh, it, just in, within the family itself. Uh, we were a tight-knit group, um, but uh, there were some, uh, it, it would just, with little ears around here, I can't speak to some of the things that had happened, but there were some really bad relationships um, that transpired between my grandfather and some grandchildren, and it just was, just kind of blew the family apart. Um, so the family had been ripped apart and at 17, when he got a chance to get invited to go to church, some of that family I hadn't seen in like five years um, were there. <laughs> so I was more excited about going to see them, uh, obviously, than I was anything to do with any of this. That, it just Seeing family was nice uh, at that point. It had been so long. But I was just really attracted uh, to what had happened. It got a chance to actually be in a place where some of the, pert, the hurt and pain that you, you get over time carrying all those things around you get a chance to to unload those and uh, in 1992 at a youth conference that we were holding uh, in our church um, it went to I went to the evangelical Methodist Church uh, I went up and made a decision on that side if you will to to receive the Lord um, in my life which was pretty life-changing um, so I went to I went to the youth revival wearing a uh, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Faith No More t-shirt I had got at the concert, uh, which was held at Texas Stadium where the Cowboys used to play in Irving. Um, so I was, was at that con went there wearing that. My hair was uh, shaved. It was like bald on the side here and it hung straight down. I was a little bit lighter. Uh, hung straight down past my shoulders. We won't talk about the percentage lighter, but it was lighter. Uh, so hung past my shoulders, had a ponytail. I was not the guy that, you know, Right, you see sitting in front of you today at all. Uh, but went back to school uh, that weekend. I had 
found uh, they had Christian bookstores around back then. It seems like they've just disappeared, but um, but yeah, <laughs> but they had a Christian bookstore. I got a shirt that that gave all these different names about Jesus and started sharing with my friends uh, about Jesus, uh, what had happened over the weekend, uh, and lost all my friends in like two weeks. I mean, they were all just gone. Um, so that was it. Uh, but I had a youth group. Uh, so I made new friends and made a new family and uh, started hanging out with the youth group. And in six months, I'm the youth president uh, of the youth group. We start traveling around the different churches and uh, within our district. And, and now we have like this ministry that's traveling to seven, to seven, seven different states. Um, pretty, pretty spectacular stuff. We would just go and spend time uh, where, we could, where we could minister. Uh, sometimes that was washing windows, uh, mowing grass, just anything we could to to serve, you know, our community on that side. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then I kind of felt directed to go to, to college and pursue ministry and ended up in Iowa um, at a place called Bernard University. Uh, Bernard was connected to the Evangelical Methodist Church, which is what I was a part of at the time. Um, I found that while I was there, there was one building that was a real problem, um, and that was the woman's dorm. You know, they were... Just, they, they were there. <laughs> so I was more interested in that building than the academic one and uh, found myself getting kicked out of school, uh, actually. <laughs> so it's been a year there. Uh, got kicked out on academic probation. Yeah. Had, you know, some people had to learn the hard way, and me, it was the really hard way, I suppose. But uh, so, yeah, 1,200 miles from home. Uh, I was from Dallas, Fort Worth, from Texas. I'm sitting in Iowa at this point, in Oskaloosa, Iowa, in the middle of cornfields, uh, get myself kicked out of school, and I find out why I'm serving at a, uh, at a like a youth camp in, in Colorado uh, at that point. Uh, so I had no idea what I was going to do. I thought it was called a ministry, um, and here I am with a 1.3 GPA. Uh, I have no idea where I'm going to go. Uh, there's a bunch of Baptist schools in Texas, if you didn't know the Southern Baptist Convention's down there, so I thought maybe there's a shot at one of those guys. I applied, I don't know how many of them. Uh, nobody was interested even giving me a shot. Um, but then there was this opportunity um, with what at the time was Circleville Bible College that has become Ohio Christian at this point now. Uh, they were absorbing the student body of the school that I had just got kicked out of because that school closed the semester I was kicked out. <laughs> So it was what the chances of that happening. Um, 86 years open and they closed the same semester. Uh, so, right, that was it. I showed up and ruined the place. So I ended up taking the one place I didn't want to come to, which was Ohio, uh, and went to Circleville. And ironically, I met Kim there. Uh, so we were in our first class together. Uh, actually, my first class ever was, was in Circleville was with Kim. Uh, we didn't get along. Um, <laughs> Now, in all fairness, on this end of it, I will not fault any of that on Kim. I was a complete arrogant idiot, really. Uh, so it's totally on me that that didn't work out. Uh, but eventually, I learned the error of my ways, and uh, you know, we got married. <laughs> so it worked out really good. <laughs> so, uh, but I ended up in Circleville and uh, just started pursuing uh, an opportunity again to, read, to, to really just pursue this ministry opportunity. And, and to get serious about school, uh, and I did. Uh, so I was making Dean's List. I was student, uh, not student body president, like president of different things, uh, sophomore year, junior year, 
senior year president, uh, missions president. Like I just got involved really heavily and got serious about the opportunity to serve and be a part of ministry. Um, and then we thought, as Kim and I were graduating on that side, that we, we needed to make some changes. And this is where all of it kind of started changing for us, is I had some friends that were in school that were talking to me more about how much, ha, had I really received the, the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And that's when I'm just hungry. I mean, I'm seeking after God as much as I can. Um, I had messed up, thought I had blown an opportunity. I had a second chance. I didn't want to blow that one. Um, so I'm, like, I, I mean, I'll take anything that God has, anything and everything that God has for me. You know, I, I, I want it. Um, so we started talking about what, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And how we would define that as a Lutheran is definitely not the same as you, how you would define that um, in, in any Pentecostal or charismatic circle. Um, so today, Marty and I are working on getting live stream up, and he types in 19th day after Pentecost. Well, we just never got past the Pentecost. <laughs> and Pentecostal charismatic circles, there was no 19th day after. It was just stay on that day. Uh, and that's what happened. I started pursuing what I thought was uh, the way that you receive the Holy Spirit, and that was evidenced by speaking in tongues. Um, so we, I, I spent some time with some friends of mine that were, uh, that were Pentecostal and charismatic. We talked about it, pursued it, studied Bible, um, and I thought I had an experience. Now, I will tell you, it's amazing what can happen when um, you want something bad enough, what you're willing to, I hate to say do, but I guess that's really the best term. Um, what you're willing to do or willing to try to experience um, just to say you, you have something. And I think that's probably what happened to me um, when it came to that. So did, did I speak in some tongue? I spoke in I did some, kind of, some kind of babbling. I, it, yeah, that, that happened. Um, did I feel any more powerful? Like I had to receive something more? I don't know what I was supposed to feel, but can't say I felt any different than I did before. Uh, I was a lot more arrogant after, that's for sure, uh, and more bold, because uh, I thought I had something that other people just didn't. So, and being around the people who, who were like that, that's kind of how they were. They were bold and would say some things and even give me a, a word, or a word of knowledge, or a prophecy, or something that, that may come to pass, maybe it didn't come to pass, but at least they were willing to say it. And that's, so we ended up following that. I resigned credentials I had worked six years for uh, on the Methodist side because uh, they, they weren't going to have a, a spirit-filled person behind their pulpits, if you will. Uh, and we went down to the Copeland's place, Kenneth and Glory Copeland, if you're familiar with those guys. Uh, moved back to Texas, went to Eagle Mountain. And uh, it, uh, things got a little crazy um, on that end. Um, then we started hearing things like if you want, if you need God to do something in your life, you need to sow a seed. Um, and maybe you've heard some of those terms before, but you got to sow a seed. And it wasn't just seed of your time. Um, it was a financial seed. Like God can do something with it, but unless you give him something to do, something to use to do it with, how, how can it, how can it happen? Uh, so we sowed seed. 
and I'm a lot of seed. Um, I went as far one time, and I'm being very uh, open here. This is not in any way to, I, I'm doing this humbly, so please don't take it any other way. Um, I don't mean this in any arrogant way. Um, I took a paycheck uh, and sowed a seed, believing God to do what I thought he would do, and we got evicted from an apartment. Um, that was a very hard time <laughs> uh, to go through that, to be truthful, and to wonder that just started ask, started the questions, um, which I know a lot of people who have been and who are still in that kind of environment probably ask, why, why didn't it work? Um, if this is how faith works, well, why doesn't my faith work? Uh, if this is how God blesses, then why doesn't God bless me? Um, if this is how I get my healing, why am I still sick? Why did that person die? Why did that divorce happen? How come that prophecy didn't come to pass? How come that, how come this, how come that? And those questions pestered us, I mean, for, for decades, quite honestly. But that was probably the start, uh, all of all of that. Uh, in spite of that, we went on <laughs> to ORU, Oral Roberts University, where Kim was there for a short time. And well, we just dressed up in the Mecca of Word of Faith at that point. Um, and eventually landed back in Newark, uh, Ohio, uh, where we thought we were called to come and plant a church. And we did. Uh, so Victory Christian Fellowship was the name of the church. Um, through just different places along the way, we felt like uh, we'd seen some abuses just without having some, some leadership, some structure uh, in place, which is you know, not uncommon in some non-denominational churches. Um, so we were looking for some kind of covering, some kind of... Um, some kind of way to, to ensure that we, we, we had instruction um, and honestly some protection and ended up with the Foursquare Gospel Church uh, and we planted the church through that um, and I pastored, that, pastored the church for, for eight years so just about, was it six, eight years, somewhere in there and it eventually, uh, it eventually emerged in with another church uh, as well uh, and, and I will just tell you, from that point on, it, the, the downward spiral, the, the questions just keep resurfacing. Like, okay, if I'm called to do this, then why isn't this working out? If we've sowed all this seed, then how come the church isn't what it's supposed to be? Um, why did people leave? Um, how come, why did, they, why did these people even come? Uh, <laughs> there was some, some a lot of questions that would just kind of pop up. Uh, along the way, and a lot of those questions would kick right back to some of the same questions we had that time when, I, when we got evicted. It's not like those questions had ever got answered. They just, I just suppressed them. Uh, but yet circumstances kept happening, and they would just keep popping back up again. So it left us to a place where we, well, quite honestly, we just ran uh, from, from all of that. And we ended up in the exact opposite of what, what Word of Faith would be and just found, our, just found a Baptist church someplace. So we're just like, let's just go there. At least it's not all this. Um, and we did uh, for a very, very short time. There was a Baptist church we went to in Heath, Ohio. And, uh, but we, I hate to say we were addicted to all the uh, glitz and glamour, um, but uh, I think that's probably accurate. Uh, you, you get used to a, to a certain type of service when, and I'm, I'm trying to delicately say this, but uh, when 
your experience with God and how you feel you're right with God is based on ex- experiential things, um, your senses, um, what, what you physically feel like, um, what, what you see, what you experience, just that piece. If all of that is the driving force and then it's gone, how do you know that you're where you need to be? I don't have the goosebumps like I used to get. Um, there wasn't that word. There wasn't that person who, who said something to me. There wasn't that, that catchphrase that the pastor would say or that the pastor's wife would say or whoever would say. There wasn't that there. So you, you didn't, you just, you just didn't know. Um, <laughs> there weren't the fog machines. There weren't the, <laughs> there weren't the lights. And I ran them, so I know. There weren't the fog machines. There weren't the lights. There weren't the glitter. I mean, I quite literally glitter. There, it wasn't all of that that was there. And well, how do you know when God's glory shows up? <laughs> he prayed for the Shekinah glory of God. That's kind of scary, actually. Um, so, uh, it, it was, it, it's, it's, it's like being plucked out of a place that you're familiar with and stuck in the exact opposite and having no idea if this is even right. Um, but I will tell you, uh, the piece that is uh, <laughs> most, uh, most encouraging in all of this is that uh, God, uh, I am grateful, but God uh, never gave up. I'm sorry, uh, one second here. Uh, God never gave up, gave up on Kim and I. <clears throat> uh, there's, there's plenty of things that I said behind a pulpit and did uh, that matches what you see when you turn on Joel Osteen or Kenneth Copeland or some other person that's very similar to that in the word of faith or a new apostolic reformation person um, that I regret uh, having said. Uh, and I know God has you know, forgiven me of that. Um, and yet I still, I still regret it. <laughs> Uh, having said it, having done that, having led people a certain way to have an experience with God rather than rather receiving from God uh, gifts. It, uh, and, and, and Pastor, I don't mean to be rambling on no, here, but um, we're... Um, this is good stuff. This yeah. is important. We're, we're very blessed here to, to have a proper understanding of of, of what, why we come to church. And can I tell you, it has absolutely nothing to do with fog machines and lights and glitter and a catchphrase are the right shoes, our skinny jean preacher, any of that. Yeah. I'll spare you that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we talked about that. <laughs> we talked about it. But yeah, it has. That's it. It's not going to work. That would be uncomfortable for everyone. Right. Especially <laughs> me. Right. We talked about a swoop, but there's nothing going on. We can't really do the swoop. So, um, But it has nothing to do with any of that. And, and I'm so grateful that it doesn't. It is, I love that we come in here and we focus on um, just, just being forgiven of the simple fact that we're sinners and we need to be forgiven of that. God, God, it, God absolves that of us. I am truly grateful that's how our service starts because that's not how they started before. 
uh, we get riled up, probably throw a little bit of offering in there somewhere because you got to give God something to have it while you're praising him, right? So you need to throw some kind of a seed out. Maybe even during the service, come throw your money on the altar, something. I mean, it, that stuff happens. So it, I'm grateful that's not how we, we do things here. Um, so there's quite a difference. Uh, that's a real nutshell. And I know we're going to get into some more stuff here, but, um, but that's a real nutshell, kind of at least where, where we've been and kind of how we, how we arrived. Now, I can tell you more about how we eventually look this direction, but... Yeah. yeah, and we'll, we'll maybe get there here, but uh, no, that's, uh, you know, I, I'm glad for the time that you took in, in kind of talking through things because it lays the, the groundwork for, you know, understanding where you're coming from here. Um, so as you talk about word of faith doctrine and, and some of those issues, what are some of the phrases that people might hear that they you know, they, their, their antennas should go up, and they should recognize, oh, okay, this might be that. Yeah, so I've used, the, I've used one of them already here, uh, which, of course, would, would, be, would be sowing a seed. So if you hear something about sowing a seed, um, that's definitely, can, can definitely be very challenging in that regard. Um, you might have heard of, like, name it, claim it. You can, you know, Take pair down something else, uh, blab it, grab it, whatever you want to there. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Um, that's out there. Call things into being as though they already are. Um, do you have? Did do you have a vision board? Um, and maybe that may not. <laughs> maybe that might be a tough spot for some folks. But is there a vision board that's there that you're speaking toward? Um, are you using God's word to to? I guess to call things into place or into being that you you want to see happen, whether it's health, whether it's money, whether it's finances, um, all of those people. Did you give God permission to work in your life? Did you bind the enemy? Um, maybe you have a curse over you. Uh, perhaps that's generational. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned some of the teachers already that are kind of, you know, big names, uh, you know, Joel Osteen and um, you know, Bill Hybels, or not Bill Hybels, um, what's Bill his Johnson. name? Yeah. Um, so what, what are some of the, what are some of the others that you might, you might say, hey, you know, just, you, you got to look out here. Yeah. Uh, and some of these have progressively got, gotten to this point, right. um, but uh, he's popular, really popular. Uh, Stephen Furtick yeah. might be one to, you want to keep an eye out for. Uh, on that side, it again wildly popular. Local guy um, on this end, out of Columbus. I mean, I'm, for some reason, it's in my mind. Rod Parsley. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, that would be that one. Anybody that talks about a seven mountain mandate or dominion theology, uh, you want to watch out for. So, seven mountain mandate, just real quickly here, is going to be the seven different areas uh, of society that. Uh, we should have dominion over, whether it's like arts and education, entertainment, that kind of thing. Uh, and there's quite literally a mandate out there in what's called the New Apostolic Reformation that Bill Johnson's a part of, um, that uh, looking to establish Christian leaders in all of those areas, because we should, as the body of Christ, have dominion over all of those. Okay. Yeah, and that's a whole different yeah. area. That's another can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a whole other, that's a whole other table talk. Yeah, right. uh, But... <laughs> Uh, so the the theology that we have and the theology that 
any church has is going to shape the way that worship looks. Um, it's the, you know, lex orande, lex credende, the, the love of worship is the, the law of faith. So in other words, the what you believe is going to shape how you worship, and how you worship is also going to shape what you believe. Um, so you, you've explained a little bit about your experience with that. How, how would you speak to the, uh, the way in which you know, worship was shaped in those contexts, and then maybe kind of compare that to um, what lo worship looks like here? Yeah. Um, so worship is very, very much an experience um, in the churches I was a part of uh, that we've described in the Word of Faith as well as the new Apostolic Reformation churches, that it's all experiential. Um, they want you to feel hyped up, energized, uh, excited, um, and, and that kind of leads into the service. It really is in a lot of way almost like a pep rally uh, before you get to listen to your, your motivational speaker. Um, that's that's kind of what you, that's that's where it's at. So it's high charged. Um, and look, I went to the I don't say I don't say Metallica, Guns N' Roses were hardcore, but that for me they were. I've seen the laser lights, I've seen the fog machines, and honestly, there wasn't much of a difference between 1992 and you know 2019 at uh, some churches that we were at as far as what it looked like. Uh, that that kind of excitement. Um, it is it, it, it was really quite. Quite different um, here. Uh, well, let me let me real quickly say uh, the focus was really on what it was. Focus was getting you excited about it. You're, you're getting excited about what you're doing. You're getting excited about who you're doing that with, and you're getting excited about going to praise the Lord. Um, you're not going to grab a hymn, a book anywhere uh, for that. You're definitely not going to sing any kind of uh, hymns in general. Um, that's not going to come out. Some of the things you're going to say are probably going to be repetitive. Um, matter of fact, you might sing some songs that would be just ongoing, constantly ongoing, um, just the same things over and over and over and over, um, almost hypnotic. Is and I, you know, I, I say this again respectfully here, but I don't think that's unintentional either. Uh, so, it's, it, it almost seems that that's the way it's going. So the, so the focus is completely on you. And that is just, why aren't you living your best life? You know, get your best life. That's, that's not what we experience here on this site. And gratefully, it's not. So our expectation when we come here and just how it compares is the focus is not, it's not on my pastor. He's not the superstar that steps on stage every, I mean, you're an awesome guy. Really just so, <laughs> so. But he's not the superstar that everybody comes to that when the pastor's out of town preaching somewhere else, nobody comes to church, um, which is what happened oftentimes the other places I was at. He's not that guy. Um, pastor's not in the way of the gospel being presented. Where you went there, at least uh, kind of comparatively, the pastor was, I hate to say the gospel, but he, that was the show. Uh, was the That's pastor? What you were there for. You were there for that. Um, you weren't there to to receive the gospel. You never there to worship the Lord because of what He's done for you, or what or what He's given to you, or to receive from Him. Um, you came to to be excited and pumped up. So, what kind of certainty is there in you know Pentecostal Word of Faith um, versus what kind of certain do 
certainty do you have you know, in, in Lutheranism? Yeah, so there's a couple of things I know we've talked about um, kind of wh where we could hit, but let me hit two things real quick. So one is uh, when you talk about the sovereignty of God, um, that is, is massively important, but in word of faith churches, uh, as well as at some of those new apostolic reformation churches, uh, that we're talking about really the reduction of God's sovereignty. And, and in some cases, it almost feels like eradication um, of his sovereignty. He needs your permission to do things. So you've got to give opportunity to him through either something you've spoken, a seed you've sown. You've done something to give him the opportunity to do something on your behalf. Um, it's not that God just can do it because he's God. Um, so the sovereignty piece is definitely an issue, which also then if you're going to lessen God's sovereignty, that means you have to deify man on that side. So you have the deification of man on that side, which is, and that's just, that's really the scary part um, on this, is that I that somehow I, I, I would think I even have the ability uh, to control God's, God's actions uh, in that regard. It's, it's, it's very much Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Uh, that they could be like God. That was the temptation, yeah. that they could be like God. And so now we have this same idea. You can be like God. Um, you have that power. If you just speak this word, then, you know, you can call this into being. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's scary. It's scary. It is. Uh, and, and we'll use, we'll use scripture to try to, to try to point that out on that side. I mean... You can read John 15 about abiding in the Lord and how important it is, it is to, spend, to, to just spend that time with him until you get to the very bottom of it, at the end of the chapter when it says, oh, and when you ask for those things according to God's will, you're, uh, yeah. you're going to get him. You know, like, oh, see, I told you. <laughs> and that's, no, it's not quite the same thing. So. Well, and, and just because somebody's quoting scripture, Satan quoted scripture, right? Yeah. You know, he, he would quote him and twist it, you know, but uh, you got to be more careful once somebody starts quoting scripture because now they are claiming to not just be speaking, you know, what God's word says, but, the, but they're you're claiming to be rightly understanding it and teaching it at that point. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it definitely is going to get used because that's, that's what, you know, that's what Satan does too. Uh, I'll, I'll quote scripture, and then I will deceive you by, you know, not giving you the wholeness of that. Yeah. 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 So context is really important, right? Um, what's the, uh, I guess, what Chris Roseboro always says, uh, his, the three sound rules for interpreting scripture correctly is context, context, context. And that's, that's how we have to approach this. That's, so when you're dealing with, at least when, from my experience, when I was dealing with my, even my knowledge of, uh, of scripture when I was in the Word of Faith Church was really more of a mile wide, maybe miles wide, and an inch deep. I mean, it, you could quote the catchphrases, you could quote the, the catchphrase scriptures to say what you needed them to say, so it justified what you were doing. Uh, oftentimes, those scriptures, when you read them in context, have nothing to do with what I'm quoting them for uh, at all. <laughs> uh, so context, really, really critical there. Okay, so let's get back to the certainty then. Um, Sorry, I totally no, no, no. That's why, that. that was a, that was a good rabbit trail. I like yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did talk about that ahead of time. So, um, but yeah, certainty. How how can you ever have certainty if it depends on your 
emotional experience? Um, and, and why is it that you can have certainty now? Yeah. <clears throat> so this was actually a really, a really big one for Kim and I. Um, oftentimes, when I was in Word of Faith, you would, you would question. You fall short of God's glory. You've sinned. Uh, or in fact, those cases, you made a mistake. Uh, <laughs> just forgot what it was. So you'd make a mistake, uh, and you'd sit and wonder, okay, okay, if the Lord comes tonight, uh, I'm, mm, this, this, well, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so there's constantly this, uh, this unassurance of whether I'm really standing right with God. And the only way I knew I would, or at least I felt like I was, is if I was in a service and you, you, you were having the same experience that you'd always had. You know, the fog machines were going, the lights were everywhere, the glitter's flying all over the place. You know, angel feathers are falling, like it's all going on. Okay, we're right where we need to be now. But without that stuff, and I didn't mean to be that exaggerated, but it is that bad uh, in some places. Uh, so <laughs> um, that's, that's what you're looking for, is that, that just something by your senses to say, okay, I, I'm good. And, and here, when I can, when we were able to, um, I hate, when, when, when we began to understand God's sovereignty uh, and that I, I, there's nothing I can do to work this up. There's just no amount of glitter I can buy from Hobby Lobby that will ever change this experience. There's no amount of just emotion I can throw into it that's going to make it right. Um, I, I need to come and receive the Lord's, just receive the Lord's gifts, what he did for me. It's God that won my salvation. Um, it's God that assures my salvation. Uh, and he gives me gifts to ensure I can abide in him. It, even if it means it's difficult and it's I got to be transparent with myself and I just got to keep coming back right here to this altar and receive the Lord's Supper, um, hey, that's what it means. But this, the, the assurance, or these, the confidence shifts because it's not what I'm doing that assures anything. It, I put my confidence in what God did for me. And because I can trust in that, I don't have to sit and wonder uh, where I stand with salvation. I have to sit and wonder where I stand with God. He's made it clear where I stand with him. So, coming to Lutheranism from, uh, from your background, and, and, and Kim as well, um, what's, the, what's the biggest hurdle? What's the biggest uh, challenge, obstacle? What, you know, what was the, kind of the toughest thing to, you know, in that, that whole transition, or even being able to, to, to think, maybe I can even consider this? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I think, honestly, the, one of the most challenging things, just on a pride level, was accepting the fact that I, I, I just truly was, was wrong uh, and just was deceived um, in that regard. I, I needed to have some, some things exposed uh, and, and some truth um, in my life. But being open to that and recognizing that, hey, I, I hadn't really been following this correctly. And being honest was, was really challenging. Um, now, when you get into some of the more nitpicky pieces. I, I wasn't raised around where someone did infant baptism. We started talking about salvation. Uh, that, was, that was a little challenging. Um, 
Oh goodness. Um, well, and, uh, and and that's an interesting one because yeah. you know, <laughs> just to stop there for a second, you know, when you understand baptism as something you do for God, then you would look at it and say, well, yeah, the baby isn't in a position to do that, right? But when you understand baptism as a, something God is doing for you, well, who is more able to receive than a baby, right? Because uh, they are simply helpless. That's their whole life is being dependent. Um, and, and so when you, when you twist it, you know, making baptism something we're doing for God, then of course it's going to be, it's not going to make any sense. But, you know, and if it's an experience that you're supposed to have, but if it's understanding, no, this is, this is a gift in which God is giving the Holy Spirit, giving uh, forgiveness of sins, he's claiming you as his own, it's entirely God doing it, then you look at it and go, oh, okay, there's no reason a, a child can't receive that. Um, sure. yeah. You know, in addition to, of course, we've got a whole lot of scriptures we can look at with that, but, but it's just that fundamental understanding, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think you touched on something there that, um, that really was one of the biggest challenges is uh, oftentimes, even in the evangelical church, when I was part of the Methodist church, it, that's what, when I, when I was baptized, I mean, that's, this was my way of declaring uh, to others that I wasn't going to serve the Lord. I was making a, a, just a confession, like a dedication to the Lord. I'm doing this for him. Um, and I've, yeah, that, that's, it is completely a different perspective <laughs> to flip that around and see what God does for us on that regards. But yes, that, that's, that's one of the other challenges I would say is, is again, realizing I'm not, there's no amount of my doing that's going to produce it's salvation for me. That's that's just not going to. I have to do this uh, a certain way. Uh, yeah, sacramental theology is going to be uh, completely different, yeah. um, because sacramental theology is about uh, God doing for us, and and it's rooted in a right understanding of justification. So if you understand who Jesus is all of the things he's done for us, you understand that we are saved by grace through faith, entirely accomplished by Jesus, then you can understand the sacraments as the gifts that they are. But if you go back to that and it's, well, Jesus has done his part, but I've got to do my thing, then justification is uncertain. And then the sacraments become something that you now, we turn it into something we have to do in order to kind of do more for God. Um, which is, you know, the same thing happened with the Roman Catholics that led to the Reformation. Uh, it had, they had flipped it. Instead of it being, you know, a means of grace, it was a means of, I am earning this grace. I'm doing this for God rather than God doing for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I got to, I got to, I got to show and tell here. <laughs> This is this is really something here, and 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 Jake knows probably more about this than I do, uh, but um, somebody had brought this in. Not sure what to do with it. It's like the nicest Bible I've ever held. The, the cover is gorgeous. It's it's wonderful, um, and then you flip it open. Okay, now which words are in red in your Bibles? Which words are in red in this one? Jimmy Swaggerts. <laughs> and they're interspersed with the text as if they are scripture. 
They're not down below. They are in red, interspersed with the text, because what he says is supposed to be on the same level. It's, it is the, uh, the height of hubris. Yeah. Um, but if you want to see this, uh, you, you can take a look at this once we're done. It's, it is a, oh. It's a. It's astounding. It, it is really nice leather, though. So I. It is. <laughs> it really. See. It's really. It's painful. It's so nice. I told Pastor I could see where this. Hey, can I see the Bible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could see where the. the My the, precious. Uh, no. Uh, no, not your <laughs> precious. No, I could see where somebody would be like could could give an infomercial that if you just sow your seed of two hundred and fifty dollars. Right. Yeah. Pastor Jimmy Swagger to send you his red letter expositor study Bible. A gift of two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh yeah, Every yeah, day. right, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, it's it, it is something. Yeah. Um, okay, are there, are there things that you wanted to touch on that you haven't had a chance to touch on? Um, and then I got one more thing, and then we'll have questions if anybody has questions. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, first, uh, thank you. Uh, we get an opportunity to be able to, to to talk to you guys today and just share a little bit about this. Um, first, let me say this, and I, and I, I genuinely mean this. Um, there are people that are part of the Word of Faith, um, as well as uh, the New Apostolic Reformation, that are, I mean, they're they are genuinely seeking after the Lord, and they're seeking after truth, just like him and I were. Um, they're good folks. Um, uh, please pray for them. Um, please pray for them that God will open their eyes um, and give them the same opportunity to be restored, um, find some peace and some assurance and some truth in their life as well. Um, it's easy to point a finger at people right. uh, and just call them, hey, uh, you know, for what they are, you're just deceived, you're just a mess, and whatever. It, you know, and maybe they are, um, but it doesn't mean that God loves them any less uh, and that he didn't die for them too. Um, and so in the same way that we were plucked, I would love to see yeah. more plucked. Yeah, so share, share the truth in love, right, yeah. Uh, the, kind of, the, I guess, the last thing I have for, for tonight, and then I'll see if there's other questions. Um, what are things that you think maybe we take for granted? People that have been in, in Lutheran church for a long time, that we just kind of, well, it's just how it is, and of course it's how it is, because just, that's just what it is, and, you know, maybe we could do something different, uh, you know. What are some things that you think might be overlooked? Um, uh, catechism's uh, awesome. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> my 40s going through catechism. Not that you ever stop being catechism, right, Colleen? You That's never right. stop. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's, it's great. Um, I, I, what, I would love to see what my life would have been like if I was a teenager going through it and then be in my 40s now. What, what would life have looked like? I, I can't have that, uh, that journey. I have one I'm on now, uh, but I have... I have that catechism to turn. So it's just really great, such a great resource uh, to turn to. Uh, and then I know it might sound really simple, um, but when you approach scripture from just letting scripture interpret scripture, um, it just clears so much more up. Um, it sounds simple on that side, but scripture interpreting scripture, law and gospel, um, actually having law and gospel. I, I joke uh, that as I was, searching for truth, I stumbled across the gospel and ended up becoming a Lutheran, and that's what happened. Um, so. Yeah, I, 
that's Martin Luther's story, right? right. <laughs> he stumbled across the gospel. And, uh, you know, anyway, okay. Uh, do we have questions? Rick, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you on the mic if you have a question, simply because we had, last time, we had people say, I couldn't hear the questions that were being asked, so we want to make sure that people can hear the questions. Um, so, we'll put you on the mic here. First of all, Jake, I want to thank you for taking the time to share with us. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, looking back like that might be kind of challenging too, you know, so thank you for doing that. I have two questions. Um, one is, and they're both maybe from an apologetic standpoint, right? I mean, how do we, uh, you know, if we run across someone that we suspect maybe because of the same, you know, same key phrases that you were talking about and stuff, right, might be in the word faith movement. Um, you know, what, what might be, you know, the top question or two, knowing that Jesus taught a lot from questions, right? What might be a top question or two that might actually get them to be thinking about that later, right? And the, and the, the second question is, you know, uh, biblically, right? Uh, what, what might be a, a passage, a chapter, or a book that you think are particularly um, challenging for perhaps a word faith, uh, you know, trained uh, individual? in order to really think through the things that they're being taught versus what the gospel really is. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, can I, if I'll start your second one, uh, I've never heard anybody preach on Job in the Word of Faith Church, to be honest <laughs> with you. So um, uh, that's just being transparent because if, if God isn't blessing you or you're not living your best life or you're sick, there's something happening in your life, there must have been something going on. Um, the transmitter, the, I mean, God, God, God's transmitting blessing, but your receiver is just not tuned in the right frequency. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's what happens, right? Um, so on that side, um, I would definitely say that would be one of them. But um, I, I, I referenced this in a post I put on Facebook yesterday, and it, it's just true. But John 15 is a great scripture, uh, I think, just to take a look at there. And I'll, and I'll, just, I'll drift that into your, um, your first question on that one. So... I would ask on that on that side, how how would you know? Can, can you tell me how you know what assurance you have in Christ? Like, how do you know your assurance uh, your assurance of salvation in Christ? H how is that determined? Yeah, how, how do you find it? And, and I think in John 15 is going to give you that answer. The whole book, not just uh, verse 15 or 16. It talks about asking for what you want. <laughs> yeah. uh, other questions. <laughs> All right, you, 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 I'll try to get back to you here. All right, get Glenda here first. Thanks for talking to us tonight, Jake. It's, it's yeah. really neat to hear your story. Um, so my question is, you said you went to Circleville Bible College. Um, so how much importance um, do the types of churches that you attended, how much importance do they put on um, preachers that have um, a specific education or specific requirements or do they just kind of let whoever preach? Uh, boy, I would say that when I went, um, whoever preached probably wasn't as frequent as it is today. Um, feels like whoever preached might be more frequent um, at this point. Um, the Evangelical Methodist that I, was, that I was a part of before, there was a high priority on education um, at that point. They're a conservative wing of the Methodists, so they broke off United Methodists, so they're, they're looking for you know, folks to, 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 to receive a, an education on that side to, to teach and to preach in their churches, and, and even today, they're, they're still like that. Um, 
but with Word of Faith, it was a little bit different um, on that end. I, there was some importance, but I did have somebody tell me one time um, that God doesn't look at my education, he looks at my experience, and that's what he wants to give me to, to, to lead me into ministry. Uh, that was actually a prophetic word uh, that was spoken over me. Yeah, so that's, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's quite as important as if you went through someone's Bible school that's unaccredited and their little institution where you get a certificate after six months. In some cases, that would, that would cut it, which is kind of scary. Yeah, and that's another, yeah. So we're not going to, we're not, I mean, Timothy's just a, another book. So we're, we don't want to talk about qualifications. That's it's too challenging. Um, my question had to do with the with the third article of the creed, because um, when people ask me why I'm Lutheran, I, I usually start there. You know, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to Him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. And I was wondering. Um, because I, you know, you 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 really spoke a lot around the the subject of how do you, you know, feel God's presence? How do you know about your your your, your salvation? What was the what was the the difference in the role of say the, the or the purported role of the Holy Spirit in, in in the Word of Faith movement compared to what we teach here in terms of how it is that we come to faith. Did, did people care so much about coming to faith, or was it more like the, this is just about the gifts that you get now, or is it, is it, was it about going to heaven? What was the, what was the focus? How did that all play out? Sure. Yeah, good question. Um, in a lot of ways, it is about right now. Um, what's God doing for you now? What are you going to receive from God now? Um, you weren't, the Holy Spirit's role uh, is, is not the same. Uh, so he's bringing the power of God. I mean, the, the power of God. So we're expecting people to fall out. We're expecting miracles. Uh, if you got, if you preach God's word and there's a lack of miracles, then the Holy Spirit wasn't there. Um, we're we're looking for those kind of, uh, almost in some cases, uh, just uh, dynamic, uh, really dynamic uh, miracles and things happening. Um, so it, that's it, it wasn't. It's not the same thing of an assurance. Uh, of a uh, of of something that would uh, are of the Holy Spirit coming and instructing us uh, how to walk in God's ways more. No, it's to give you power so you could you can demonstrate the gospel. So there's someone being healed, knocked out, flown across the room, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, help deliver someone who a Christian who has demons. So I would say, to answer the question there, you hear that every once in a while, but to them, the gospel is what I just said. <laughs> That's not the same thing. It's, yeah, very much another gospel. <laughs> yeah, it's another gospel. It's what you're receiving, all these different types. Of, it's not the, the forgiveness of sins and being justified and standing right before God. Yeah. All right. Mike. No, you can't. <laughs> I'll, I'll be really loud if I talk in this. <laughs> you, you've used the words to the phrase, and I've heard it a lot, but I would like a 
concise definition of word of faith as a description of a church body. I mean, you've described where you come from, and so we sure. have that as a picture, but can you put it into a definition? Yeah, that's fair. Um, because it, it is fair to say that we are people who do believe, have faith in God's word, right? So I mean, it is fair to say that. Um, but we're not saying that. Um, we are saying, though, is that we, we have a faith, but our faith is like a power. Okay, so think about it from, and this is going to be a really cheesy example, but I got nothing else. Uh, so <laughs> I think about like the, like the 60s Batman, so Adam West, right? So need something there and just call it out and the faith belt pops out whatever you need, the batter ring, the whatever bat something, you know, the shark bat spray stuff, whatever that is, that that's kind of your faith um, in that regard. So I'm, I'm using it uh, as a weapon. Uh, in that regard, I'm, I, it's 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 artillery. Um, it's it's I, I have weaponized my faith in a sense. So when I say word of faith, it's it's literally doing that. It's it's using my faith mixed with God's word. Uh, so an example of this would be, Lord, you said you can have anything as long as I ask according to your will. So I'm asking right now, I'm believing Jesus that I will be healed, and I do not receive this healing in Jesus' name. I bind it in the name of Jesus, and I just keep confessing that. And I just keep confessing it over and over and over and over again. I won't acknowledge my sickness. won't acknowledge I need to go to the doctor. won't acknowledge any of that stuff. And if I don't receive it, there's something wrong with the transmitter or the receiver, not the transmitter. So word of faith would really be, and I hope I'm giving you a concise enough answer for you, um, but it is really weaponizing your faith, mixing God's word to get God to do or get, get from God what you're asking for. I think that's a good description. Yeah. yeah. The bat belt. Sorry, yeah. that's a bad yeah. one. <laughs> so. Pow. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Would you describe how God led you and your family to hope to this church? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I was, uh, when, when all these questions are, had kind of come to head, which is, uh, about 2019-ish, somewhere in there, um, I, I just started looking for answers because there were there were too many questions that had popped up over these decades, uh, and that led me to start listening to Fighting for the Faith with Chris Robro, Rosebro. Um, I listened to uh, uh, Dr. Jordan Cooper, which I really had a really hard time with him for initially uh, for a while. One, he's just he's so smart, crazy intelligent, so. <laughs> And so, but it just took a while, yeah. But uh, but Chris Roseborough really kind of just having a discernment ministry the way he does helped to expose some things. And, and I I could not get enough to be truthful. Uh, we watched hours and hours of that, and then I started seeing who he was connected to, and I started watching other people. And I was like, wow, all these people are Lutheran. And I was like, well, what Lutheran church have we got around us? And then that's when I found out that okay, there's Lutherans, and then there's the other people. And I was like, well, who, what are these guys? I didn't know anything about some of the other ones. Um, and I, that kind of was a whole other topic to find out about. Um, but I kept running across a couple of different places. The LCMS was one of them. Um, and I was like, well, let's, why don't we just see if there's an LCMS church that's somewhere around us. Um, and what attracted us to here is when we went online, because uh, we watched online for months before we came. Um, we... Uh, 
what, what we liked Christmas service for first off. That was kind of cool. Um, so <laughs> it's nice to see through this. We like that. Um, but what, what it, honestly, what, what brought us here was there, there was some homeschooling options, and, uh, which were great because we were homeschooling our kids, and we were really attracted to, okay, a place where we, we maybe can educate them homeschool-wise too. Um, and so that just naturally fits. So having that, that ministry was a draw, uh, quite honestly, for us. Uh, on this and and having the online ministry which may not seem like a big deal but that was a draw you know for us i mean i first words of pastor is why you're a lot bigger a lot taller than where you're on the screen like you just but it's uh, much much taller but it that that's how we ended up here yeah all right any other and i and i know you can ask questions to jake in person he'll be happy to talk with you more um but I, I think let's let's wrap it up there for tonight. And and Jake, I want to I want to especially thank you for your willingness to share, to open up, uh, to talk about you know things from the past that aren't always fun to to talk about. But I think it's important because it, it is also a way to prevent others from falling into that same trap. And it's also a way to help prepare uh, people here to be able to better know how to talk to and to to receive uh, people that are coming from that that uh, background and uh, to be able to share the gospel and share the love of Christ with them uh, and that is so so vitally important um, but I I really appreciate the the openness the the willingness to speak about these things and um, the, the perspective that you bring because um, you can speak about these things from a firsthand perspective rather than well, I've read books about this, and I've, I've heard other people talk about this. They, that, that's all I've got, right? Um, so it's, it's helpful for, you know, to have that perspective and be able to say, no, here, here's where it really does. It really does become an issue um, because it's, it's undermining Christ. It's undermining what he's done for us. It's undermining the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's turning everything inside out and making it about us rather than about Christ and what he has done for us. Um, so let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then, um, then I'll give some instructions for how we can wrap up the night here. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the good news of Jesus, that he has done everything for our salvation, that he uh, became man, suffer, uh, lived the perfect life under the law, suffered, died, and rose again, so that our sins can be forgiven. Uh, we have heard that so many times that we may begin to take it for granted. We, we may begin to assume everybody knows this good news. Uh, but Lord, we, we know that that's not true. That there are so many that are still in darkness and struggling and striving and they want to be in a right relationship with you and they want to uh, know the peace that you give and they are looking uh, and yet uh, the answers that they are finding drive them further into despair, into uh, working and working and working to try to earn that favor uh, that is theirs in Christ. And we ask that you would help us uh, not to neglect, not to overlook the treasures that we have, uh, but to value them as the gifts that you've given, that we would truly treasure the forgiveness of sins, that we would 
um, value the sacraments as your gifts to us so that we know that we are right with you, our sins are forgiven, and our faith is secure. Uh, help us to, to share that, the, that gospel, uh, share that good news, that, that uh, right doctrine with those that we encounter, uh, and to do so in love and patience, knowing that the Holy Spirit will be at work. Uh, we thank you for Jake and his willingness to speak tonight and to share, uh, and we thank you for bringing them here. Uh, what a blessing they have been to us here at Hope. Uh, we thank you for their presence here and their, their continued service to you uh, as members here and in their various vocations in life. Uh, we thank you for the, the time together this evening and for uh, the church family that you have given to us in all of these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.